Hey, welcome back to another episode of Too Much Podtar, as we still have no season set for the major leagues. Um, as they met again the other day, and it was only it lasted longer. I mean, this this episode is going to last way longer than how long the meeting was, because it was only 15 minutes. So uh, that tells you everything there that that's they're not really in a good situation right now with the whole CBA discussions. Um, but they are set, showing some urgency, at least, because they're going to be starting to meet every day, starting on Monday. But they, this urgency should have been – they should have had this urgency back in December, back in even January, back last – like during last season even, like we talked about. But nonetheless, we do have some baseball to discuss because college base, baseball returned today, the day we're recording this on Friday. Um, and also we're going to be discussing some top prospects that we did that we covered for our t- uh, prospect top five prospect series. Um, and we're almost done with that now. We'll be finished up with that by the end of the weekend. So back to re- discuss some of that with me is Johnny Black, as always, who's obviously on this podcast a lot, and also Carson Babini, who's who d- joined in on some of our live streams before as we did some of the like live streams for whatever the MLB draft and other things like that. So welcome to the show guys. How you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Doing, absolutely. Doing well, you know, can't complain. Yeah, so um, you can find Johnny on Twitter at jball0202. And Carson, you could find him on Twitter at cbabs1120, C-B-A-B-S-1120. So be sure to check those, their stuff out on there. Um, He's got too much pine tar. Sloppy jalopy. They were doing the uh, the Chris Davis fishing for it. Might be going to call George Brett out. Well, he is. He's out. Yes, Brett is out. Look at, look at this. Brett is out. And He's steaming mad. He is out and having to be forcibly restrained from hitting plate umpire Jim McClellan. Too much potter. <laughs> way, way too much potter.
what I want to start off with, I guess, is talking about the CBA. Like I mentioned, just, just I don't understand what Manfred's doing, like as a whole. Like obviously we know, we all know this, but just he's trying to, like he said, he's so keen on trying to grow the game. But what is he? What is this doing to grow the game? We're not growing the game if we're not going to have a season starting on time. Spring training is starting at the earliest, March fifth, and it. It's just not good for anybody because now my, even minor league players on the who are on the forty man roster aren't going to aren't going to be able to play their minor league season if we don't have a season on time either because they're part of the major league roster. But even though even if they're not playing in the major leagues right now, they're still included in that because they're on the forty. So not good for them. Not good for fans. Not good for anybody. Just it just sucks. Well, uh, I guess I'll just hand it over to Johnny too to give some thoughts on this whole situation. Yeah, you know, I I go back and forth with being confident about it, and then mm-hmm. not too not too confident. <laughs> you know, optimistic, glass half full, glass half empty. I go back and forth on it because it seems like they're it seems like they're agreeing on certain things, but the main the crux of this whole thing. I mean, they can agree on the universal DH. They can agree on like expanded playoffs. They can agree on all this stuff as far as gameplay goes and how it's structured, the season structured. But the bottom line is the money. Mm-hmm. So without that, it doesn't, none of this other stuff, you know, I think we get hope saying they agreed on a universal DH. So, so they're agreeing on something. So it almost gives you hope that, all right, they're sitting down. They actually nod their heads at each other. And, you know, Tony Clark and Rob Manfred could go out for a cup of coffee or something. But, you know, the bottom line is this deal is not getting done until the money's right. And they're so far apart. Yeah. They're so far apart with it that I just I just don't I don't have too much confidence. I I know they're supposed to meet every day this week, this upcoming week. So. Hopefully, you know, you're forced in a room with each other over and over and over again. You know, they start getting sick of each other. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. what it comes down to. You know, start seeing each other's faces for eight hours a day if those meetings are lasting that long. But I, I still, I'm still an optimist. So I still have confidence they're going to get something done by the end of the month. So if yeah. they get it done by the end of the month. If they don't start the spring training games till March 5th, it gives them five days. They said they said it'd probably take about a week or so. So, you know, we'll see. But yeah, if they like, don't get it done by the end of the month, then the season's in trouble. Yeah, and it's like what uh, our buddy Matt Matt Mefe he he said uh, that. You know, bring their moms with them, and they're it'll it'll get done if you bring woman with you. <laughs> yeah. Bring the moms with like the belt, or yeah. <laughs> <you know>? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or the shoe, or yeah. whatever you know, the spoon. <laughs> yeah, I think if if you follow me on Twitter, you more than likely know that I am not the biggest fan of Rob Manfred in the world, but... No, um, no, nobody is. And, right. 
And I think, I mean, I think you guys both hit the nail directly on the head. Unfortunately, you know, money makes the world go round and that sure is different when it comes to professional sports and when it comes to baseball and major league baseball. But the, the biggest thing I think about this for me that really just makes me angry more than anything is that, you know, let's, let's kind of be honest here right now, as, as far as popularity, baseball just isn't a popular sport. And the longer that this lockout goes on, that is more time for, you know, the popularity to kind of start dying down at a time where really you should be taking advantage of this, you know, Super Bowl just ended, you know, NFL is going to have a little lull before their off season, you know, hockey probably won't start to pick up until the playoffs. Like this is the time that you could be using to market your stars and get fans excited for the season. But with this lockout, you can't do any of that. None of these social accounts can promote their teams. MLB.com can't write any articles. You can't sign players to promote those big stars and be like, and look at how much money all these big stars in this free agency will make. So it's just kind of a thing where it really hurts the game because this is a great chance to try and keep promoting that game. Like Manfred says, he wants to change the game and help the game, but this doesn't help the game. In fact, I just think it hinders the game because this is less time given to promote the great stars that we have in baseball. And we do, we have a lot of great stars, but like if I went out on in my neighborhood and asked somebody who Mike Trout was, they probably more than likely would be like, I either, I don't know who that is, or I know a little bit about him. He plays in baseball, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's all they would really know. And that's just, that's a tragedy. Yeah. And even like teams that just hired a new manager, like for example, Buck Showalter for the Mets, they, he can't even go and build a rapport with his new t- new players because the guys that are on the team, like they can't even like meet in person and just, and talk about anything. Like they, like you're not even allowed to be around like your, any of the players. Like you can't like, cause he was talking outside of the, like the, one of the mini, their mini camps, I think today. And just saying like, Oh yeah, I could, like, I, I don't really know much about these players yet because I haven't been over to, meet meet with them at all it's just like so that's kind of something that hinders it too just you can't new managers new coaches anything all these guys they can't even go and try to build a relationship with the with the players yeah absolutely and not even just building a relationship they can't go out and build their team the way they want to they can't discuss with their general managers like what they would want to sign in free agency because we can't have the free agency until this lockout is done. So it's not just that they can't, like you said, build those relationships with their players. They can't even begin to look at free agents to try and build, build their teams. Any of these new managers like Buck Walter in with the Mets. Yeah. And I kind of, said was saying too like this Manford is growing the game by not growing it basically like he's trying to grow it to really like I don't know how else to say it just basically try to get other fans into the game rather than keeping your uh current fan base like I don't I wouldn't necessarily say diehards like us because diehards like us are not gonna stop watching no matter what even if it was like you playing with a stick in a rock because we just love baseball with every bone in our body but guy like people that are on the fence about it they're not going to want us keep 
staying in tune with it if they're we're not going to have a season. We're not going to, you know, just going to lose interest because they're going to go and watch, you know, hockey or even whatever, the Olympics and other stuff like that. It just goes to show you, too, how bad baseball has been at marketing their sport. Let's take let's put it this way. And basically, by the middle of June to the end of June, until the beginning of September, there is no, there's no hockey, there's no basketball, there's no football. It's only baseball for basically two and a half months. And your attendance is declining and your popularity is declining when you have the whole country and the whole world basically a captive audience for two and a half months in the summertime. That's a problem. There's a, they've been doing this for a long time. They and now all of a sudden, you know, it's like a, it's like a lot of other businesses do the same thing. And a lot of the celebrities when they get in trouble, it's like you can point to a lot of things. It's human nature, I guess, is to be reactive instead of proactive. So all of a sudden, baseball is like losing popularity. We have Mike Trout, who's the best player in the game, but no one knows who he is. And blah, 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 and all this stuff. Well, you should have thought about this before Mike Trout even came into the league, but it's good because it's been a problem before that. And the pro- part of this problem is growing the minor leagues, which I don't know why baseball feels like the minor leagues mean nothing to anybody. But Dayton Moore, I read a quote from Dayton Moore the owner of the um, Royals. That was from last year, before COVID. Like, uh, No, not before COVID, but last 2020, before the COVID season. Um, so not last year. Yeah, that's right. We're in 2022. But um, he was talking about the minor leagues, and he said he's going to take care of his minor league players. And they were one of the first teams to take care of their minor leagues, like make sure they had housing and stuff like that. And he said, you know, the minor league, the minor leagues drive the popularity of the sport. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. I'm not quoting Dayton Moore, but they minor leagues basically drive the sport and drive the popularity because you have to understand that even if you have a couple hundred guys in your minor league system, and only maybe 20 of them even make it to the major leagues, if that, the other ones, some will go into coaching. Some will go back into the communities and talk to their friends and get people out to watch games and stuff like that. They're spreading their love of the game to other people in one way or another, teaching it to kids. They go coach at their high school. They spend three years in the minors. They're like, well, I could get a job coaching at my high school, you know, whatever. Assistant coach at a college locally eventually maybe move up the ranks and get into the minor leagues themselves as coaches and stuff. But that's the whole point. And major league baseball wants to like destroy. They took away 42 teams last year from the minor leagues. And now their proposal was to be able to cut the minor league, uh, the maximum minor league leaguers from 180 down to whatever, if they see fit, what are they doing? I mean, what are they doing? How can you do that? It's a, it's become a problem 
to the point where they have less people playing the sport. And this has been a problem for a while, too, which is part of the lack of popularity also. They have less kids playing the sport. Mm -hmm. A lot of less minorities playing the sport. And having the black players there, that's gone down a lot. I mean, there are very few African-American players in Major League Baseball. There are a few that are really good. Don't get me wrong. Mookie Betts, Aaron Judge, you know, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon was there for a long time, like, you know, but honestly, I believe the last count was about 8% of the major leagues are African-American. So down from 18% back just 30 years ago. So what are we doing here? And you're going to cut the minor leagues and you don't want to pay them? That's, I don't know. I, they're cutting off their nose to spite their face, basically, with mm-hmm. this stuff, because they just yeah. they don't see they don't see the long term effects of this. They're not looking big picture. They just look at it like, oh, we have a CBA coming up. We have to agree on this. This. How much are the big guys going to make? How much are the owners going to have to pay? They're not looking at it collectively and saying we need to grow the game from the bottom up. We need to put a good foundation in where you got tons of kids, especially in the inner cities, growing a better demographic and a more equal demographic across all Latino, Asian, African-American, white, whatever. You need to grow that demographic from the bottom up. So in 10, 15 years, you're going to see the fruits of that labor. They don't see that. They're short-sighted. All of them, the players and the owners are all short-sighted because the players want the money now and the owners want the money now. That's, I don't know. That's my take on it. I think they're doing this all wrong, all wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting too, that like I heard some from somewhere that I'm not going to name any names, but there's this guy, this is a, reporter for the New York Times that apparently doesn't know who Jason Dominguez is, the Yankees' uh, number two overall prospect. <laughs> and it's like, you cover the Yankees and you don't know who the one of their top prospects is? Like, that's just ridiculous. I don't understand how you can... That's the problem, too. Like, these guys, these, like, big... I mean, obviously, it's the New York Times. They're I'm, they're not anything special, but um, it's all these big, like, corporations and stuff covering the game, like, they don't know anything about the minor leagues as much as like some like guys like us who are really into the prospects. And like, I'm obviously covering the rare riders too. So I cover a lot about the prospects there and for the Prince tribe prospects. So like, we're like the only, like one of the few places where you can find stuff about the prospects. There's really nothing else out there that covers prospects as much as we do. I don't think besides the big ones like baseball America and, MLB pipeline, of course, but like all these other things, though, they don't cover it at all, really. So that's that's a big problem too. Oh, there are there are definitely no websites our size that covers it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only the only websites, the reputable websites that I know of that cover the minor leagues, like you said, MLB pipeline, Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus. Oh yeah. And Fantrax does a lot of good work, like Eric mm-hmm. Cross and Chris Clegg and those guys over there. They do a lot of good work too. 
But other than that, no. No one covers any of it. No one does mock drafts for baseball. No one does it. No. You know, it's not done. And that's a problem, too. But the media is not covering it. You only have a few places that you can go to. Like, you know, if it was more widely known. And that's with the draft and the prospect. I mean, that's that's an inherent problem in baseball, but that's something you can't fix. Yeah. Because baseball players get drafted at a high school and they don't play for five years. They're in the minors for five years. The only way to solve that problem is for the national media and local media to cover more of the college game and more of the minor leagues. I mean, NBA and in the NBA and NFL, you're you're a first round pick. You're basically starting the next year. Especially in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You know, you're coming out of college. So, you obviously, you know, you're going to, and if you're a first round pick, especially a top 10 pick, you're basically a starter. Yeah. Or you're making the team anyway. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. you know, in baseball, you know, you get drafted out of high school, like I said, be five years before you see the major leagues. Yeah, if at all. Yeah, even in the NBA, I mean, the top picks, they, they're right in there. They get thrown right in. NHL has somewhat of a minor league. NHL is kind of like a middle ground because yeah. they have the IHL and the WHL and stuff like that. I don't know too much about the NHL. Costa could probably speak on that better than I can. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I would say I would agree that the, the NHL is more of kind of a middle ground. You know, usually, usually first round picks – it kind of, it's kind of like baseball. It kind of depends on which range you're drafted, especially in the first round. Because some, some, sometimes there will be top three picks that'll be able to come into the NHL right away. And then sometimes there will be top three picks that choose to stay in college, maybe for a year, then go, once their college season is done, they can get signed to go play for the minor league team. And then around playoff time, when around playoff time, they might, bring them up for a few games and then send them back down to the minors because in the NHL, if they play more than 10 games, it burns a year off of their entry level contract. But I want to go back to, to the point Johnny that you were making, because I think the coverage of the minor league system also goes back to, um, it also goes back to your point about marketing the league and that, you know, these minor league guys, these top prospects will come, come into the league with, you know, they'll come up to the major leagues and they'll be like a top prospect and casual baseball fans will just kind of sit there going, well, who's that? And it's like, wait a minute, you don't know who that is. They drafted him like three years ago as like the number one pick or four years ago as like the number one overall pick. And you don't know who that is. Like That I think is part of the problem too, is that, you know, if we're able to, um, if we're able to market the minor leagues once they hit the major leagues, they'll be able to have more hype like an NFL pick or an NBA pick would. That's true. That's definitely true. Yeah. So One thing I wanted to mention too, not to get back into the NHL stuff, because I know this is a baseball pod, but you know what would be interesting? Like you mentioned, Carson, about um, like an NHL player will come out of high school and sign. With a team, 
but then he'll choose to go to college. But the team still holds his rights. Right? That is correct. Yep, that's what's that's what's happening with the first round pick for or the first overall pick from last year's draft right now. Got drafted by Buffalo, chose to go to Michigan, and Buffalo still holds his rights. Oh yeah. See, that's an interesting twist. That I wonder if Major League Baseball would like. I'm not saying they're in discussions with it now, but it's something they could look at. Yeah. Like, what if? Because a lot of times, what happens with the Major League Draft too? You have this, you have this really good high school prospect, all right? Maybe he's not a top 20 pick, maybe he's not a first round pick, but he's really good. So you maybe want to draft him in the second or third round, but if you know if you draft him that late. He's got a commitment to Vanderbilt or top school like Texas or Stanford or whatever, you know, like a top baseball school. You know, if you draft him in the second or third round, he might not sign with you and then you lose that pick. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's why you, a lot of times you see these guys out of high school, they get signed to like a 30th round pick just in the hopes that the guy would say it's a wasted pick because they go to college. So it'd be interesting if the club held their rights while they went to college. Yeah. Would a lot of these high school kids, a lot of these high school kids might actually get drafted, still be able to go to college. And then, you know, I just wonder like if that's a different, different tack that major league baseball could take. I, I think it definitely could be, especially if they like end up making it just 20 rounds like they did last year with his 40, I think 40 rounds was too many anyway, but, and then, yeah. I think I think 20 rounds makes it more likely that you won't be wasting a pick on somebody that's in high school that you won't you don't think will sign unless they change it to that, which they could definitely I think they could definitely do something like that when it's when it's a shorter draft, it's not as many many rounds. Yeah, and the draft used to be like 63 rounds. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just you know it's just getting, but I mean they have to cut the draft down because they're cutting minor leagues down. Mm-hmm. So they have to cut the rounds down. I mean, you can't draft all, all these guys every year and don't have a place to play them. Yeah. I mean, how would you feel as a player? You got drafted out of college in the 17th round or whatever. Oh, I got got drafted and everything like that. And then it's like, all right, we're cutting minor league teams. So now you don't have a job. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just yeah. turn around and say, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> What is yeah. that? You know, yeah. they just don't have a place to play then, which is kind of weird. Yeah, so anybody anybody listen to this that's into baseball at all, if you're if there's not going to be a season right away, obviously there's not right now either. So spring training, go out and watch some of these minor league teams like with the top prospects, like not guys that are obviously not going to see guys that are on the 40-man roster, like we said, but. Guys that are just drafted out, uh, coming out of college or high school and are going to be making their debuts, go and watch them at the single A level. And before, like while we'll not have any other baseball, go and watch these guys and see the future of the MLB and learn more about them. And same with college, go watch some college games too, and you know see some of these guys that could be drafted this coming year. So definitely something you could do when you're when we don't have major league baseball at least. But um, before we get too off the rails about 
bashing Manfred and all that, but let's dive into some of those prospects uh, for the major leagues, major league teams. Uh, we could start off with the Twins, since that's the one that Johnny just came out with today on on prime time. Uh, his top five that he had. So want to just dive into the to, into your list. Yeah, well, you mentioned the Twins before I did today. So yeah. That's, interesting. <laughs> that's not a usual uh, thing. But, um, or before I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I always forget, Carson, you're, you're up there, and you're a Twins fan, too. <laughs> At least I have someone on my side. But yeah. um, I don't know. My, my top five, I put, um, I put Austin Martin first. I mean, the kid just hits. He went right to the double-A level with the Jays, and then when he came over to the Twins in the Barrios deal, then he uh, went to double-A. And he did well, 414 on base percentage. The guy's got great plate discipline. I mean, he's not a power hitter or anything, but he'll be a leadoff hitter. You know, can run, can field. Doesn't have the greatest arm, but he, he could definitely, you know, he could definitely be a leadoff hitter in the major leagues. So I think he'll, he'll be fighting for a spot this year, especially yeah. since they don't have another outfielder. I mean, yeah, they they signed Buxton to the long-term deal. They still have Kepler. I don't know who's playing left field. <laughs> no. You know, unless they stick Arias out there, but mm. I, I think Martin will be, you know, or Kirill off or, you know, if they put him. But I think Martin's got a shot. Yeah, I think so. I really, I really like Martin. I'm so, I'm just like I was so shocked that that the Blue Jays sent him over in that trade. I was too. <laughs> I every time I think of that trade, it just makes me smile. Because as hard as it was to give up Jose Barrios to get a player of Austin Martin's caliber and to see him doing as well as he did in Wichita in Double A. He's. I'm really excited to see him play, and I. I think he will definitely be fight in the fight for for a spot on the big league club this year. Yeah, yeah it'll be interesting. Yeah. I. I mean, I've. I always enjoyed watching him when they coming out of Vanderbilt. Like he was one of my favorite players in that class. Yeah, you got to take him fifth overall. I mean, he's he's a polished hitter. You know, he's he's really got great bat-to-ball skills. Like, he drives the ball, line drives and everything. Like I said, he's not going to be a – he's never going to hit 30 home runs. But top-of-the-lineup guy, definitely. Yeah. The second guy I had on the list was Joe Ryan. Another guy that came over in a trade last year, and that was the Nelson Cruz trade to mm-hmm. Tampa Bay. But um, he actually made five starts. At the major league level last year, the 4.05 ERA in those five starts, granted, it was 26 and two-thirds innings. So, I mean, it's a small sample size. But 30 to 5 strikeout to walk rate was nice, and he gave up just 16 hits. Solid pitcher. I mean, it's mainly his fastball, but uh, is a decent slider. And I think he's he's a pretty polished pitcher as well. You know, he's I think he's 25 years old, so, I mean, he's – you know, definitely, he'll be in the starting rotation this year. They brought him up in September. He made five starts. He'll definitely be in the starting rotation. 
the third guy I had was Jordan Balasovic, who's big kid, six foot five. But he's got strikeout stuff. He's good commands. He's got three pitches right now. Probably could work on a fourth. You know, if he decides to use a curveball. But um he's another one that should be, you know, should be fighting for a starting rotation spot. I mean starting rotation for the twins is is horrible. Oh, we yeah. lost everybody. We lost everybody. It was bad last year anyway, and we still lost everybody. I mean, Pineda's gone. Hap is gone. Barrios is gone. <laughs> I mean, we have Maeda. Maeda and a bunch of guys that are going to be fighting for the spots. Yeah. Don't forget <laughs> Dylan Bundy. No. Oh, that's right. I did forget about Dylan Bundy. Okay. So, <laughs> Barrios, Dylan Bundy, <laughs> and then maybe Bailey Ober. I mean, well, yeah. not, not, Bar- not Barrios. Barrios is in Toronto. Right, Maeda. Yeah. He, oh, Maeda and Bundy. I'm sorry. Did I say Barrios? Maeda and did. Bundy. My bad. Dobnak. Don't forget about him. Yeah. He should go back to Uber. Yeah. Right. He's I, Dobnak's got to show me something this year. Yeah, I, he's just. Uh, I just. I never liked him because I. It was funny. Like I was at that that game, the Yankees played the Twins in the division series. I think yeah, division series. And yeah. they It was the one where Didi hit the grand slam. He was the he was the starter. Like and I was like, everybody was chanting Uber Uber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't I didn't really like what I saw out of him. That like even even that year when he was like pitching good. He was I didn't I never I never thought he would last. Yeah, I don't see him as a starter, that's for sure. He could be a swingman type guy. Like a long reliever, you know. Maybe spot start. Come in, you know, start the game, pitch three, four innings just to get, you know. But yeah, I don't see him as anything major. Yeah. But the next guy on my list. It's someone that a lot of people probably haven't heard of because he's actually ranked like ninth or tenth. But I think this guy's got potential. Is Josh Winder? I 100 percent agree. I I like this kid from what I've seen, and he pitched pitched a double A and triple A last year, and in 14 starts he had a 2.63 ERA. He struck out 80 guys and walked 13 in 72 innings. Wow. He got victimized a little by the long ball, but, you know, with a little more refinement, a little more command, he could work on that. But he's an older guy, too. He's 25, I think, also. But um, six foot five, his fastballs, fastball sits in the mid-90s. He's got a slider and a changeup. Good mechanics from what I've seen of him. Uh, he could he could definitely be in he, he'll be in the shot to make that rotation, without a doubt. I like Winder. I actually he surprised me when I was looking over the Twins prospects. Like he he surprised me a little. And then fifth, I have Royce Lewis. I had to, I had to put him in there. 
just because of talent level. His first pick overall, he hasn't played in two years, COVID in 2020, and then towards ACL last year. But he's still only 22 years old. Before he tore his ACL in 2019 in the Fall League, he was really killing the ball in Arizona Fall League. So maybe he's coming around a little bit. Hopefully this, he could break off the rust in you know this year and maybe next year. Take him along slowly and he could be up. I mean he's got he's got he's got the overall skills to do it. He can run. He plays a good shortstop. You know, good range, solid arm. I think it's just going to be a matter of time because you drafted him out of high school. So I think it's just going to be a matter of time for him to get his bat going. The natural ability is there. So I had to throw him in here. Plus, not only that, the Twins don't have many other prospects that are worth putting in the top five. Mm. No. There are three other guys that I mentioned pitching, but I felt Lewis has more talent than the three of them. So I had to throw him in there. But the other guy we got, Simeon Woods Richardson, we got along with Austin Martin for, for Rios. We'll see how he does. Oh, yeah. We lost the strike zone a little bit last year. So we'll see if he can regain his command. Johan Duran, you know, he's been up there. But I see him as kind of a bullpen piece, too. I don't know if he's a starter. So. Yeah, I personally, I really like Duran. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, in in his time in in AAA last season, he had a ERA above five. But again, that was only in 16 innings, really small sample size. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I like... You know, looking, I've got a chance to look a little bit at his his highlights and and things like that, and I really really like his his fastball looks really good. And then the they were they talk about it a little bit in his scouting report on Pipeline too, but the like splitter sinker ball that he has that it says can get up to 94. That's a really yeah, nice pitch that he has in his arsenal. Yeah, I think they call it a splinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's the only thing that worries me, though, is that he has two pitches. Yeah, he he needs to definitely gain a third to get a yeah. three-pitch mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have three. Uh, sorry to jump in. I have some breaking news from the baseball world. Uh, Cameron Mabern is going to join the Yes Network as an analyst. So that's going to be pretty cool because he was, I, I always liked him when he was uh, with the Yankees. When I, I mean, his whole career, but when he was with the Yankees, like he was, had a great personality. So that should be interesting to, to hear him on the Yes Network. Nice. Good for him. I like Mabern. Always like Mabern as a player. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. He'd be, he'd be a solid analyst. Yeah, it said, uh, said that he's calling, what did it say, Forty about 40 games this year. So, 
I mean, as long as there is a season. I'm not going to lie, though. I got a little excited there because I thought it was going to be CBA news. Sorry. Yeah, I, I, I had to do that. Yeah, you got us all hyped up, Alex. It's Yes Network. <laughs> God, the Yes Network. Not everyone gives a shit about the Yankees. No, I know. You've got, you've well, got a Minnesotan here. I don't even get the Yes Network. <laughs> um, well, that's a good spot to be to jump into some Yankees prospects then, too. So. Um. I'll, I'll give some. I'll give my top five for them. Um, it's different than what we have on the site because I didn't write the the latest one. I think uh, Carter Carter Lacourt wrote the latest the one for us. But my top five is uh, Anthony Volpe at the top. I mean, he's the future at shortstop. No matter if they sign Correa or not, he's or not maybe not even shortstop if they move him. Because if they sign Correa, then they probably move him to third. But uh, he's the future of the infield somewhere because he's just he's an incredible bat. He has all the tools to play anywhere. I mean, he might. I mean, he could stick it short or play third. He has the arm for both for either position. So he has the range, good range. And the I mean, and with the bat, he just has he hits the ball really hard. Uh, he doesn't have you know as much power, but he can he could hit like twenty plus home runs season, but I mean, they could definitely take that. Um, and he just had a crazy good season last year between Tampa and Hudson Valley, the, the, the low A and the high A teams. He had a 423 on breeze percentage between the two. They had 27 home runs, 12 in Tampa, 15 in Hudson Valley. That just, I mean, he's just incredible all around, and it's. I'm definitely excited to see where he goes this year. Uh, he'll probably be in Double A at some point, if, even if he doesn't start there. He'll be in Double A, and maybe potentially even Triple A. Well, maybe I'll be able to see him firsthand at some point. Um, but then second, Jason Dominguez. He didn't have. He really didn't have too good of a season last year. He kind of struggled a little bit, just you know, making his pro debut. He just turned 19, like, what, two weeks ago now? The same, the same birthday week as Johnny, so um, he's definitely going to come into his own. I think he has, he has the talent, the tools to be what he's hyped up to be. And, I mean, he was the top prospect last year, and then this season fell off a little bit because, obviously, Volpe just had such a good season, so – and he was – he played between rookie ball and Tampa. And then uh, the third guy is another shortstop is Aswald Peraza. He was, he came on strong last year and played between three levels. He played, he ended up, he started in high A Hudson Valley played and then went up to Somerset and then finished the year at Scranton and he only played about a week there, but he what he showed there was uh, a lot of good stuff. I mean, he kept hitting, he kept, he kept hitting like he had been doing all season. He showed great ability to play shortstop, and just I, and he's another piece that they can eventually maybe trade. Even if something like a Matt Olson trade, if once the 
once the lockout's over or they can move them into to a different position as well if they go with go a different direction with shortstop um but then i got at number four uh austin wells he's the catcher prospect that probably gonna end up uh replacing gary sanchez at some point down the line uh he's got great tools he's a great hitter uh, uh pretty much a hitting catcher but he does he is he he, he does have uh, some tools to be able to play catcher but i feel like he'll end up he might even end up maybe move to first if if the yankees don't end up uh trading or whatever getting rid of sanchez he might end up actually moving to first because he's i don't know if he's that much, he's, he's not really that good of a defensive catcher so it's, it's more offense at first because he uh, he had 16 home runs last year, 476 slugging. So he's definitely all pretty much power a power catcher. Um, so I, that's why I have him at four. And he's he finished the year at uh, High A Hudson Valley. He'll probably be in Double A at some point this year. Um, and then fifth to finish it out, the top five. I, I kind of went back and forth with this. You know, you have Luis Heal up in there, but I I don't want to have him in the top five just because he struggled so much with uh, with his control last year. Uh, he, he was, I mean, he had good stuff. He showed his office good stuff, but it just he needs to work on his control to really have my really be what he's supposed to be. Um, so at five, I'm gonna go with, uh, with Clark Schmidt. Schmidt. Um, you know, he was out for most of the year last year with uh, coming back from Tommy John surgery and then worked his way up, make, making a couple of starts, uh, ended up, what was it, ten, uh, nine starts, 10 appearances uh, from all the way down from rookie ball up to AAA, making their starts, making his rehab way back up. And he could be a piece the Yankees have in the rotation next year if he can come back this year and be completely healthy because he was – he was really dominant in those starts that he did make. He had 46 strikeouts to 12 walks and 38 innings uh, between those four levels. So we'll see what happens here. And once we get back from the lockout, uh, hopefully I start in AAA and see what he's at and as far as his recovery and everything. And then I think he can definitely be a key piece to the rotation um, at some point. And then I just want to just touch on some of the guys I'll probably end up being seeing at triple a at some point if you know once the season once there's no lockout because a lot of these guys are obviously like I said before 40 main roster guys uh so uh, Louis Hill is going to be one of those like I mentioned he'll be in triple a and I hope he works on that control like I mentioned and another one was Braz of course I'll see him a lot and I think he but depending on what they do at shortstop, uh, if they end up going out and getting Correa, I mean, if but if they, then he'll be kind of blocked. But if they don't, then he'll he might end up being in the the Yankees starting shortstop to begin the year even. But we'll see what happens there. Uh, and then another guy is uh, Davey Garcia. I'll be keeping an eye on him because he just had an awful season last year just really struggled with 
control and finding his own everything this stuff it's just i hope he can find it again because he was at one point he was hyped up to be like the future ace of the yankees or at least up in in the rotation like as a second or third guy but this hasn't been able to do that and so i hope he can find something this year and really bounce back and then uh those other pitchers too that were double A last year that could end up making it back up to triple A, uh, like Luis Medina. That's a good. That's a really. Sol- he's a really solid pitcher. Um, he has great stuff as well. Um, let's see here. He had 133, 133 strikeouts last year. 217 average against. <clears throat> across two levels, the Hudson Valley and Somerset. And another guy was Ken Waldachuk. He was at AA last year. He probably ended up being in AAA. I think he'll be in there to start the year. Uh, so, And, you know, another pitcher, too, Hayden Wesneski. He's a, more of a ground ball pitcher, but he has, the, he has a lot of good stuff, too. Uh, doesn't really give up too many hard hits. So just, those are just a few of the guys we'll be looking out for. At Triple A, uh, most a lot of them are pitchers. Well, I really like the pitching prospects they have uh, right now. So, yeah, those are just some thoughts on the Yankee system. I don't know if you want you guys want to chime in on the, the Yankee well, prospects. Question. Yeah, I had a question for you actually. So what happens? Yeah. <clears throat> so what do you think happens if just say the Yankees do sign Correa or Story mm-hmm. or whatever? You know, they they sign a shortstop. Yeah. What ha- happens with Peraza and Volpe? I mean, I know Volpe's younger, so yeah. I mean he could use. I mean, he doesn't really have much more to show with the power speed combo he has, and like every, playing a premium position, they could move him somewhere else. But I mean, he could probably use everyday playing time for one more year in the minors if he's not yeah, going to yeah. get it in the majors. But I mean, what happens with Peraza? Do you think they bring him up, like a Glaber, like struggles uh-huh. or? Because they have Glaber, they still have Lemayu, you still got Geo. Like you have I don't a ton of infielders. So if they do yeah. sign a shortstop, you're gonna have you have so many infielders. I don't know. It's hard to say. I think, like I said, I think maybe they swing him in a trade because I, I like they can put him in a trade for somebody like Olson or or whatever another pitcher or something. Like even even if they hold him to the deadline, maybe they maybe they play him in the AAA for a while, and then and then if he plays good, then they can get they can trade him at the deadline for somebody. So uh, that that could be an option too, I think. Yeah, because I was thinking that too. If they, because you still got DJ for one more year. No, it's he signed for he signed for seven years, so it's it's a while. Well, Mayu. Yeah, they signed him seven years last year. Wolf. Or was or was wow. it six years? I don't know. Yeah, because he was a free agent, so they had to do something. But I yeah, wish so they would have. I, I, thinking back at it now, especially after the season he had, he didn't really have that good of a season last year. I I feel like they should have just let the make DJ walk because now they have so many infields. There's no really like. They could have, I don't know. They could have moved. Maybe try a Peraza at second base, even. 
or something. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, because you still you still got Glaber. Yeah. For another couple of years, I think. And I don't know how long Urshela is there. But I mean, yeah, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> DJ, and then you have Peraz and Volpe ready to come up. I'm just saying, like, maybe, like you said, maybe they're not going to sign a shortstop. But then if you sign a shortstop and trade Peraza for Olsen, then what do you do? You just got another first, you just got a first baseman who's actually stuck at first base. Like, he's all first baseman. Whereas, you know, if you didn't do that, you can move DJ over to first. Bring Peraza up to play second. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It could. But, you know. I don't know. It's just a lot of stuff. Like, it's almost an embarrassing riches, but it's not like at the point. Like, it's it's almost not though because like it's the Yankees aren't at the point where they're gonna in like they're one spot they're one piece away from a World Series, but you saw what happened last year too. Like they didn't they didn't put it all together for the year and. I think they need somebody like Correa. They can't just go with the guys they have. They need to get somebody like Correa or Olsen or both. So I I think it would be smart to do that. something like sign Correa and then move DJ to first. And then, yeah, like you said, put Peraza at second. I wonder if Peraza could play the outfield because, I mean – you know, Judge is a free agent yeah. after this year. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Know. I know that uh, the other prospect uh, is Waldo Cabrera. That he's he played infield and outfield. So, I mean, but he's not as he's obviously not as high the prospect as Peraza is. So it's just that it's tough. Yeah, because I'm just wondering what they do with the outfield. I mean, if yeah, Judge yeah, happens, if Judge happens to walk after this year. I mean, I don't know, you know. They do have uh, they do have Everson Pereira, who's the 13th ranked prospect. Yeah. He's, he's he's supposed to be up next year. And yeah, Brandon Lockridge, that's another guy. Um, Elijah Dunham, who's he's obviously he's uh, down in high A. He won't be up for a while, but they they do have to, they do have some outfield prospects in the system like they have outfield depth so well if you have an athlete like a you know if you have a good athlete like Peraza or even Volpe you know you can move him to the outfield i mean yeah. generally guys generally guys who can play shortstop can play center field oh yeah you know so but yeah, switching gears too for for me. I'm I'm glad Alex that you said you weren't very high on Luis Heel because kind of doing doing research into him, I'm not very high on him either. Now could this also be because partly he is the guy that the Twins gave up to get Jake mm-hmm. Dave, and I don't want to have that stuck in my memory <laughs> potentially. <laughs> but, but looking looking at his his stats and watching a little bit of his video, I am a little bit a little bit concerned about him coming up after this year. I mean, he didn't, he didn't, I mean, granted, you probably know this more than me, but based on his stats and some of the video I've seen, he did not look great in triple a. Wow. I mean, there were starts here and there. He looked like, he looked like an ace. He looked so good. 
But then other times he just didn't have it. He walked a bunch of guys. Like there were times he had like two winnings and that was it. Like just like even when they put him, they sent him or they called him up and then sent him back down after like two starts or whatever at the major leagues. So like went back down and then just couldn't get it, couldn't get it back under control. Reminiscent of Michael Pineda. And we've all seen him for our teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you look at a guy like yeah. Pineda and he like one day he'll strike out 16 guys and he looks dominant, like wiping out everybody. And the next day he gives up four home runs in the first inning. Like, what yeah. do you do? I, just inconsistency. I, and we both saw it because he played for the Yankees and he played for the Twins. You know, so. Neil, the memory I have of him is when he had the pine tar on his neck. I was just like, what are you doing, dude? At least try to hide it. Yeah. Jesus. No. Wait, wait a minute. He had pine yeah. tar on his neck? Yeah. They tried to play. Like, yeah. I think he tried. I think he tried to like. He tried to like let it off as like that it was sweat. Oh no. I was like, oh. No. oh. Yeah, but like with heel too. Like I remember the one. There was this one start. He had like sixteen swinging strikes or something like that, or twenty swing, like a bunch of swinging strikes and. Then the next the next start he came out and walked like five guys in the first inning or something. Yeah, just that that consistency issue. And I think I think for for Heel for me, I've got some real real concerns about he'll probably I think he might be be a bullpen piece if he can't kind of find mm-hmm. that more consistency. Yeah, I was kind of leading that way too. Like, he could be like a a back end kind of guy. Maybe I was even thinking last year, like at some point, that he he I think he does kind of had the makings of being a a closer at some point. Like once once Chapman's not there, I feel like he can be the closer because he has to see that he because he, he, he throws. I think there's I've seen times where he he was throwing like a hundred so. Kind of a similar type of pitcher as Chapman. Well, Chap- you saw with Chapman too, with the, how how erratic he would get. Oh yeah. Yeah, most closers. I mean, you look at back in the major leagues, like most most closers are failed starters. Mariano Rivera. <laughs> Just, there you go. Was a starter when he first came up. Yeah, one of the greatest closers of the whole. All time, the greatest closer of all time. I'm just used to saying one. Yeah, I'm just I'm just used to saying one of the because I don't want yeah. I don't want the the mob coming after me. But no, but, that's yeah. Let's let's yeah, face no, it. He's yeah, the greatest yeah. closer of all time. So, he's he's the greatest one. Yeah. Like I, I wanted any mob coming after you there. Like when when I when I played baseball. I wanted to be a pitcher because I wanted to be like Mariano Rivera. Yeah, a lot of people did, I think. And I also wore number two because I also loved playing shortstop and thought I was the next Derek Jeter. (laughs) Yeah, that was me too. And now you guys write for PTSD. 
<laughs> and instead, I'm I'm writing about the, I'm writing about kids younger than me who are playing baseball. Oh yeah. At one point, at one point, like I I ended up starting to like Roger Maris for some reason. I guess I mean obviously because of the '61, but yeah. But um. Some other stuff on the Yankees too. Uh, from Pinstripe Prospects, we've been getting some stuff. Our our Tampa guy, John Brophy, I'll have a shout out for him there. He he's been co- he's been doing a really good job covering, you know, the mini camps they have down in Tampa. They you know seeing some of the top prospects like Jason Dominguez, Volpe, and a bunch of other guys down there. But I mean, obviously those are the two main guys that you look for because uh, they're the top two prospects. But this, it's been really good to see at least something since it was a lockout. We could see the guys up close and see these videos of the, of those two and the other and some of the other ones. So, been cool to keep up with. But uh, oh, another thing I wanted to bring up too was uh, Johnny. You have your top 100 list. You're going to be working on here. So if you want, I don't know if you want to mention any guys you have in the top ten or something like that. Um, I I just started working on it. I'm going by like a lot of our top five prospects list. I'm taking a look at um, I took a look at Baseball Prospectus. They put out their top 101, and um, just a couple guys that like I think are ranked kind of low on their list that I think will probably be ranked higher. There's definitely a couple catchers there that I like a lot. I like, uh, Capert Ruiz, the kid that the nationals got from, uh, the Dodgers. I think he played about 23 games for the nationals last year. He still got rookie status, so I'll still keep him on the list. But, Went over from the Dodgers, played in the Dodgers system his whole his whole life, and went over to Washington and played. I think I think it was 23, 29 games, something like that. But uh, hit 284, switch hitting catcher, 348 on base percentage, in his first taste in the majors. You know this kid, I I liked him forever because he's got great plate discipline, and that's a big thing that I look at in the minor leagues, is if you have plate discipline. The power will come. The hitting will come. You know, plate discipline is a big thing. A pitch recognition. That's huge. And I I think Ruiz has it. I think Ruiz is going to be a really, really good catcher. Prospectus has him at 39. But I think he may be, he may be one of the best. Obviously, Adley Rushman is, <laughs> is the man. You know, and of course, Harry Davis, who was drafted last year first overall you know a couple other guys the kid that toronto has gabriel uh moreno is really good but i think cabra ruiz really is gonna he's gonna make a mark this year he'll be one of my guys as far as dynasty catchers go Mm. i would i would grab him fantasy fantasy baseball wise i would grab him early in drafts i would grab him Especially in all base percentage leagues. Like I said, the kids have got great great plate discipline. 
And if you can get a catcher that's going to hit you 15 to 20 home runs and have like a 360 on base percentage, go do it. Because catcher, we all know in fantasy baseball, is a it's a dark hole <laughs> of production. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so um, another catcher that I wrote up about, um, MJ Melendez from the Royals, left-handed hitter. This kid eventually is going to make Kansas City people forget about Sal Perez. That's how good I think this kid is. I think this kid's going to come up and just take his, you know, Perez is getting older. He's a big dude. He's not going to be able to handle the catcher spot much longer, even though they just signed him to a four-year extension. But I think Perez is going to wind up as a first baseman or a DH in another year. And Melendez is going to be the kid behind the plate. And his kid's got just as much power, if not more, at this point. Now, I know Perez just hit 48 home runs, but it took him 10 years to do it. You know, Melendez just hit 31 in the minor leagues. And I think he's going to he's gonna be the next the next big thing in Kansas City. They got a lot of young kids, but I think he, he's, he's up there. Aside, he's second, as far as the Royals go, Second to Bobby Witt. And Bobby Witt oh, is – Bobby Witt's actually number one on baseball's prospectus. He's ahead of Rushman oh, overall. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So the Royals got some good kids coming up, but Melendez is going to be special. Kids are going to be really good behind the plate. Um, one other guy that actually baseball prospectus had a little lower. He had him at 50, they had him at 57. Uh, fourth prospect of Cleveland. I had him as their best prospect. Was Gabriel Arias, uh, shortstop in their minor leagues. Kid could just hit. He's an overall guy. He's gonna stick at shortstop. Six foot one, two hundred twenty pounds. Though twenty one years old. And power's just starting to come around. So, I think I'm gonna have him a little higher. Like I said, I had him first for Cleveland on his prospect list. And as far as Cleveland goes, Prospectus only had him as fourth, their fourth highest prospect. So definitely going to have him higher. Best left-handed pitcher prospect. <clears throat> um, baseball Prospectus had him 42. Nick Lodolo from Cincinnati. This kid's just got everything. Six foot six, left-handed pitcher, throws 96-97, a four-pitch mix. Just just unbelievable. And you'd hear more about him if it wasn't for Hunter Green in that system because Hunter Green is just as good, if not better. (laughs) (laughs) But they're going to be a righty-lefty combo for a long time. Uh, Lodolo's just dominated like everywhere he's gone in the minor leagues this year he had a rough six innings in triple a but in double a this year Lodolo had a 1.84 era had a 68 strikeout to nine walks in 44 innings and that was a double a level Hmm. so i think this kid could be fighting for a spot next year rotation spot And my last guy that I wanted to touch on was Alec Thomas 
the outfielder from uh, Arizona. Prospectus had Corbin Carroll a lot higher. Well, not a lot higher, but a little bit higher. And I think Thomas is going to be a better overall major leaguer. I think Carroll depends on his speed a little too much. And, you know, as they age, that's going to go away. Thomas, I think, has the power-speed combo that once his speed starts going a little bit, his power will take over. But he had a ridiculous year last year. Between double-A and triple-A, he had 29 doubles, 12 triples, 18 homers, and 13 stolen bases with a 953 OPS in 106 games. So... I think the kid's definitely going to be, I think he'll be in the majors this year. Unless, of course, we see the manipulation of their service time, <laughs> as usual. And the funny thing is, the kid's, on, the kid's only 21. So he won't be 22 till April. But I think this kid can hit. Watching a video of this guy, he reminds me a lot of Christian Yelich. His swing reminds me a lot of Christian Yelich. Like, quick like when Yelich was younger, especially in Miami, just quick, real quick left-handed stroke, not a, like a long looping stroke that you see sometimes from left-handers. He had a quick stroke, line drives all over the place, and just reacts to the baseball. So those are just a few guys that I'm definitely a little higher on. The baseball prospectuses. I haven't looked at some of the other lists, but these are some some guys that, especially proximity to the major leagues, because I think all these guys that I mentioned will most likely be up at some point next year. Yeah, so you have that uh, that list coming out at some. Uh, you said what? February 28th, you said, right? 28th, yeah. I'm going to try to get it out by that Monday before March starts. Mm -hmm. And then I'll have have some mock drafts I'm going to be doing, too. I I plan on doing at least one a a month starting in, like, mid-March. So that'll be cool to keep an eye out for those. And then, of course, we'll be doing uh, the, the profiles, the scouting reports on the the draft prospects you know as the draft gets closer so that'll be something to keep an eye out for as we get closer to that which um what is it july that we that the draft is so did they set the date i don't, I don't think they set it for this year but it's usually usually in july yeah i think they've been doing it now like st- i know last year they did it in july because they're waiting now until after the College World Series. Yeah. Uh, Which I is wonder, good. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to try to do it again where they, like, la- I think last year or the year before, they were supposed to try and, where they were going, it was scheduled to be, like, in, right in Omaha. But then the 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 pandemic made it so they couldn't do it. Yeah. Did they so, do it last year in Omaha, though? Yeah. Did they? I don't remember. I know 2020, I think they did. Well, they were going to in 2020. Were, yeah. But I don't think they just did was, it last yeah. year in, like, the MLB Network Studios again. Yeah. Oh, did they? In Caucus? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they did it. What they were. 
I mean, hopefully this year they bring him back if they get a freaking move on with this stuff here. Yeah, we got to start those prospect articles earlier, too. Wanna yeah. Get started by, like, you know, get them rolling. Get a, Definitely, like, first, we, May 1st. We got to beat NFL. To, we got to get more, pro, we got to get more, yeah. like, scouting reports than the NFL does. That's rough, man. Yeah. I don't know. They they get a lot of, and you sure. do both, <laughs> Alex. Yeah. So yeah. Like, it's like, you know. <laughs> And I'm I'm planning on doing double duty this year of MLB prospects and NHL prospects mm-hmm. too for this year's draft, and that's in June. So, hey, just a shout out too, like Charlie Parrot, he's just going off with those prospects. There's oh my those god, sc- scouting reports. He's yeah, got massive like, shout out to Charlie. He's got like 30 done already or something. These guys are ridiculous. Yeah, everybody he's go got- check out the NFL department's work. They do great stuff. Oh man, it's insane. <laughs> It's insane, um, but anyway, good. So yeah, we mentioned some college baseball before. Um, they let's dive into some uh, little some brief hits. We're not gonna go too deep into this since we didn't really look into it as much as the other stuff. But just some quick hits on the opening season, opening games today on Friday. Um, going on right now is. Uh, the, the one on MLB Network, the MLB Four tournament between what is it TCU and San Diego State. Uh, that's a good game right now. TCU is the 17th ranked team. San Diego State's not ranked, but right now San Diego State's winning three to two in the eighth inning. So that's one. That's a good one there. And also a game earlier, which was a surprise. The number two ranked team, Arkansas, lost their first game to Illinois State, three to two, and that's that was despite uh, Illinois State losing their starting pitcher Jordan Lucier in the, I think the second inning or first inning, uh, yeah, the second inning, uh, after taking a line drive to the head, so they had to go and they ended up having four of their pitchers out there and. They just shut them, shut Arkansas down, and that, that was surprising to see. But you know, it's obviously only the first game of the season. Maybe they're just a bit, a bit rusty. But we'll see how the rest of that series goes. That'll be interesting to see. What if Illinois State State can steal another one or two and win the series? But that was uh, interesting. And then Vanderbilt, another game. Vanderbilt won three nothing. Uh, yeah, three nothing over Oklahoma State. The third, Vanderbilt's the third ranked team. Oklahoma State's the seventh ranked team. And that was one of the obviously Vanderbilt's a pitch, pitching pitching school. I mean, they have so many good pitchers coming through there. As we talked about before the show, we talked uh, talked about Kumar Rocker. Uh, it's an interesting situation with him. Well, he was drafted last year, 10th overall to the Mets, and then they had issues with his with his uh, health, so they didn't end up signing him. And then he decided, well, he's not going to go back to Vanderbilt. He's actually just going to go pitch an independent ball somewhere and try to still be drafted pretty early. And we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting. But 
I don't know. Like Johnny said too, uh, they he's never liked him as a pitcher, and he could easily he looks like a guy that's more of a set to be a reliever in the majors, which makes it weird that the Mets would have even uh, drafted him that early. So, but nonetheless, they get him. The, they get an extra pick in this draft this year's draft anyway because of that because of the fact he didn't sign with them. So, but anyway, Vanderbilt they had a good another good pitching performance from from their guys the starter Mc, McElvin yeah i think that, i think that's how you say it uh chris McElvin he pitched four the first four innings struck out 10 and then their reliever R- riley came in pitched four innings and Struck out seven, so just overall great pitching performance from the Vanderbilt Commodores, and you know it's what uh, we've grown accustomed to see out of Vanderbilt like the last several years. I mean they have a lot of a lot of guys in the majors that were from there. So those are a couple of the games I I noticed at least. I don't know if you guys. No, took a look at any of the games going on at all. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> looked it up quick and kind of running through some of the scores. One that popped out to me, the number 12 ranked East Carolina got absolutely crushed by Bryant, who was unranked 10 to 2. Boy. So that one, that one was a bit of a, a bit of a shocker for, for me. Yeah. Right off the jump. Yeah, just looking at some more scores. Another interesting one is NC State. They crushed Evansville 24 to 6. Like, I know Evansville isn't really that big of a school, but, like, still 24 runs in a game is crazy. That sounds like a football score. Yeah. That's why you, that's why sometimes you got to take like when you're looking at draft prospects too you got to take some of their stats just like just like college football you got to take some of their stats with a grain of salt and actually watch like the players play because you get it you get a score like that 24 to 6 against a bad team well yeah the guy could have gone 5 for 5 yeah which is going to help his overall stats like at the end of the year you know, you get games like that, just like like with the NFL. I mean, every every big school plays like a Appalachian State or whatever. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? They're gonna the quarterback's gonna put up 550 yards, and the running back's gonna run for 300 yards, and seven touchdowns. Mm-hmm. You know, so when you look at the stats at the end of the year, it's like, oh wow, this guy had a good year. Well, no, he had two good games against like crappy teams. <laughs> so. You know, it's the same type of thing. So that's what you have to watch out for when you're doing these draft prospects. It's like, you know, with football and baseball, and I know our guys, like, with the NFL scouting reports, like, they actually watch video and stuff like that. So we definitely do the same thing, like, as far as the player profiles with doing the MLB stuff leading up to the draft. You have to watch video of these guys and watch them pitch, watch them hit, see their swing, see their – delivery and you know can't just go by like the stats Mm -hmm. 
because that happens in college. You know, you just play, you wind up playing a bunch of crappy teams and dominating them, but against better competition. You know, like a kid from Vanderbilt can crush, like, bad pitching, but when he faces a Mississippi State or a Texas or whatever, then you get shut down. So, is he really a good hitter? You know, overall stats may say so, but can he handle top-notch pitching at the college level? Yeah, exactly. You know? But, uh, just a couple more things to I wanted to touch on. Um, so, looking at some early top draft prospects, uh, you know, some of the top college guy, I mean, top college guys are uh, Brooks Lee from Cal Poly, shortstop, switch hitter. Uh, Jacob Berry, third baseman from Louisiana State. Uh, Jace Young, who is uh, Josh Young's younger brother. Uh, He was drafted by the Rangers a couple years ago. And then Young, uh, his brother, Jace, he ended up taking him over him at third base, but then now he actually moved. Texas Tech moved him over to second base now. So, but he's kind of got a similar, similar profile as his brother, and definitely could be a early draft pick. Um, what was another one? Yeah, Gavin. Oh yeah, Gavin Cross is another guy from. Um, Virginia Tech, he's an outfielder, and yeah, those are some of the top, 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 the, twisting my words here, well, I mean, top college guys, uh, like, some of the top-ranked college guys, and then looking at some of the high school guys, you know, obviously, Drew Jones, he's the top-ranked high school, top-ranked prospect overall, and well, he's Andrew Jones' son. The uh, you know obviously the great Atlanta Brave for all those years, and should be a Hall of Famer. He should have been voted in by now, and should have been voted in this year definitely. But I mean, hopefully he does end up getting voted in. But obviously that's another topic to talk about the Hall of Fame, like we did at the one episode where we just completely bashed the voter. I mean, yeah, the voters. Um, but Drew Jones, he's just a pure hitter and swinging from the right hand side. Um, he can make, obviously he's going to need to make adjustments as he goes, but he's just got a great swing and able to make adjustments on the fly if he gets pitching. So he's definitely got a solid, I think he's got a solid future and will be drafted early. Uh, he's got a commitment to Vanderbilt, but I don't. He's definitely. I don't think he's going to end up having to keep that commitment because he'll be drafted in the top ten probably. Um, and then Tamar Johnson from he's another Georgia high schooler. But uh, Drew Jones is another one from Georgia. Elijah Green from IMG Academy, another outfielder. So those are the couple ones I noticed there at the top of the list, the prospect list, that we'll have to keep an eye out for as we do these uh, 
as I do my mock drafts and we take a look at some of the early lists and stuff, but I didn't really dive too much into it. So that's just kind of just some of my initial thoughts on what I've seen out of look, just looking at the pipeline and some watching. I did watch some video too. So, but I'll, I'll definitely start diving into it more as we go, get it, go along here. Yeah. A couple guys I noticed, I like that kid, Elijah green. Mm-hmm. Like third, I mean, he's just a big kid. Can run like the wind. I mean, he's just a, a total athlete. Um, another guy I liked a lot was uh, Blade Tidwell, pitcher from Tennessee. I think he's ranked like thirteenth. Yeah. And um, I like him because he's already he's got a good four pitch mix. I don't know what the sound that is. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's his computer. <laughs> oh, is my computer whirring again? Yeah. Uh, this noise canceling beats. Yeah. Uh, my my computer is quite old, I think, at this point, and it's gotten to the point where if it'll go in phases of humming and then stopping and then humming and then stopping. Mine does the same thing. That's why I do these calls on my phone. <laughs> so as long as, as long as I'm, I give it as long as once it starts doing that, I let, cause usually I just have it on my lap. And as long as I put it up in the air or something, it cools down and it stops. But Speaking, speaking of guys that are hot on my draft board, Great segue. Um, mm-hmm. I'm uh, kind of looking at guys a little bit lower down the list. I'm um, doing a little bit, got a chance to do a little bit of research today. Um, I'm pretty high on uh, Carson Wisenhunt, the pitcher out of uh, East Carolina. Um, I really I really like the, the pitches that he's got. I think he's got probably... Granted, I haven't seen a lot of other pitching film just yet, but um, early on, it looks like he's probably got one of the best change-ups in the draft. Um, he's, like I said, he's ranked at 26. If He could easily probably go in the first round. Um, East Carolina also had uh, Gal- Gavin Williams, I believe, mm, was oh, yeah. a guy who went in the first round last year. Um, the The pipeline scouting report has him compared to Jordan Wicks, who went 21st to the Cubs last year. But from from what I've seen, I like his changeup. He's got a little bit of work to do, I think, on his curveball, which is also something that the pipeline suggests. But, again, it's always good to see it in film. I think he's got a little bit of work to do on his curveball, but but I think that changeup is going to be filthy while he keeps developing it. And then another guy that I really like a little bit further down um, – I'm a big fan of Cade Dowdy, the second baseman um, out of Louisiana, out of uh, LSU. I think he's he's ranked uh, 35 by Pipeline, but um, you know, kind of a kind of a shorter guy, shorter quote unquote at six uh, one, but um, really like his bat. Looks like he's got a pretty good arm for a second baseman. Um, 
So those are those are two guys kind of further down on the list that that I've got my eye on at least initially. One other guy I wanted to mention before Carson's computer started, you know, <laughs> destroying the world. But um, <laughs> aside from Blade Tidwell, I wanted to mention Landon Sims. Uh, yeah, I was actually going to mention him too. Yeah, he pitched last year and um, with Mississippi State, who won the championship. They wound up beating Vanderbilt. But um, he pitched some, he started some, but mostly was in relief. Will Bedmar did basically the same thing. And he was drafted, I believe, in the first round last year. I forget exactly where, where he was drafted. But Landon Sims has a nice fastball slider. If this year he's a starter for Mississippi State, develop one more pitch. I'm a three-pitch guy. Like, you know, he could definitely move into – I think um, I think uh, MLB Pipeline has him ranked 18th, I think. Yeah. But he could definitely be – He's definitely going to be a first-round guy. But as long as he could put it together this year, as far as being a starter goes, just as Bednar did last year, he'll be he'll definitely be up there too. So I think he's he's another guy because his, his slider is like uh, – his slider is wipeout slider. Yeah, it's filthy. nasty. Yeah, so uh, if he could just get some sort of off-speed pitch, whether it's a, whether it's a curveball or he can develop a changeup, if he could develop a solid third pitch, he could definitely he'll de- definitely be up there this year. Yeah, uh, Bednar was drafted 14th overall to the Giants last year. Um, yeah, I like Bednar a lot. Then I mentioned earlier about the Mississippi State game uh, against Long Beach State. Uh, Sims was really good in that game. Actually, he had a career high 13 strikeouts. And 77% of his 81 pitches were for strikes. Didn't walk anybody. Yeah. He's going to be good. Yeah. I I mean, with a good season this year, he could definitely put himself at the top of the list because the other guys they have there are, I mean, I know they have Dylan Lesko as ranked as like the top pitcher, but he's a high school kid. And I know a lot of a lot of teams shy away. Some teams tend to shy away from high school kids, although it didn't happen much last year. Jackson Joby was picked third overall, but and Frank Mazzucato was seventh overall. But I mean, I, I just think Landon Sims being a college pitcher and pitcher for a, a, a system like Mississippi State, especially if they go back to like a college World Series and everything like that, I think he'll put himself. Possibly in the top ten. And possibly the first pitcher overall. Because teams in the top ten might trust the college arm more than they touch, you know, trust the high school kid. Yeah, and I'm reading some of the quotes from after the game. He he's been working on developing a changeup, but he hasn't. He didn't throw one on Friday. Oh. He may he's, not need to right now no. as much, you know. And that's the thing. A lot of these kids, they if your fastball slider combo or your fastball curveball combo are so good, you don't really need to work on your secondary pitches. You could you just get outs. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he even said one of his quotes even said like going to that changeup when I'm having some success success with my fastball kind of defeats the perfect purpose of pitching. 
I kind of want to beat someone to beat me before I even go to the slider. So that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. But you know, once you get to the minor leagues and you get to Double A, especially, is like the test. You know. Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a, a a big year for him this year. Yeah, and like I said, if he if he has a great year, he could push himself into the top ten, without a doubt, and possibly the the first pitcher taken overall, because there was not a lot of not a lot of pitching depth no. in this draft when I was looking at it. Like, there's a lot more positional players. Yeah, and a lot of the pitchers too are like high schoolers. Yeah, and it's they're kind of like all just reading the basic scouting reports from them. They're kind of all the same. There's not really anyone that stands out. Like last year, you had Lighter, Kumar Rocker, and you had the great high school kids like Jackson Joby, who got pitched third. Mazzucato was dominant in Connecticut in high school. You know, he got picked seventh by the Royals. Like, you know. Bednar, Gavin Williams, Ty Madden, like you know all these guys that a lot of arms last year. This year is not so much. This year it's all about like the athletic guys on the field. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what we had like I think 2019 was kind of where we had that was when Rushman was drafted and then we had uh, Austin Martin and a couple other like a, there was a bunch of pro, uh, position players at the top. It wasn't Whit was Whit and Abrams both drafted that year too. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, crazy. It, it rotates. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like the NFL too. I mean, some years you have a lot of quarterbacks. Some years you have a lot of offensive linemen. Some years, you know. Yeah, just. I mean, just, just just look at this year. There's no like true quarterback like that's number one. There's not not going to be any top ten quarterback probably, or maybe maybe they will be, but it won't be like it's not a. None of them are like like def, definites either. Right. Yeah, you don't have a you know, you don't have a Peyton Manning. You don't have a Joe Burrow. You know Joe Burrow. Like you don't have any of that this year. Yeah, and it's the same thing with. Honestly, it's the same thing with this year's draft in baseball. Unless someone actually separates themselves. But I mean the top you look at you look at the draft board on MLB pipeline, the top three prospects are high schoolers. So how do you know? The high school kids. They're 17, 18 years old. Like they're you know, it's 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 tough taking a kid that young. Yeah. Because it's harder to tell against the higher competition. You know, if I honestly, if I was a GM, I'd probably go mostly college kids. Yeah, especially these days. Yeah, I'd agree with that. You know, just because the the level of competition, I mean, because kids can dominate. You know. And I know you have scouts and they look at everything, you know, it's, 
without just looking at stats here, but I still think that getting on a bigger stage helps. Like someone like we said last year, Will Bednar, Mississippi State, like faced off against Vanderbilt and beat Kumar Rocker, like in <laughs> in the World Series. You know, you want a guy like that that can show up on the biggest stage too. That's used to it. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so that that tells you a lot. You know, when I like the kid Frank Mazzucato from Connecticut, but he's pitching high school ball in Connecticut. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I know the kid, he pitched like four straight no hitters and stuff like that. Like he was dominant, absolutely dominant. But, you know, he's just skinny lefty. And, you know, how how is he going to develop? You know, I just, I just thought he was drafted way too high. I like the kid, but, mm-hmm. you know, but we'll where see. Was he, where was he drafted again? I don't even remember. Seventh overall. Oh, yeah. By the Royals. The Royals drafted him. Oh, the Royals have graduated all the kids. They, you know, a lot of the guys they picked, a lot of their pitchers, that they graduated most of them. I mean, Singer, Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coar, they all made it to the major leagues already. They have Vasa Lacey, who they drafted in the minors. He made my top five, you know. But um, you know, they just keep filling their filling their minors with, with like young pitchers, which is fine. I mean, you know, to develop them and stuff like that. But we'll see. The Royals are going to be good, man. Oh, yeah, I can't yeah, wait. When I, when I was looking at that, I, I, I can wait. I hope they oh. suck. But, you know. <laughs> but they're just same, a smart organization. They're a smart organization, man. They really are. And yeah, they drafted well. And when I was doing their top five, I was like, dude, these guys, these guys are going to be good. They're all going to be good. Mm. You know, and it, it it's, kills me. It's crazy how smart they are and how much of their current core and their future they've been able to build through the draft. It's yeah. It's crazy. I mean, look, even looking back at their, you know, World Series teams and stuff like that. Alex Gordon, Salvador Perez, you know, guys like that. Lorenzo Cain. Those are all kind of homegrown talent. And then you're able to. You know, Alex Gordon was one of the mainstays in Kansas City for a long time. Salvador Perez is still there in Kansas City. They yeah. are very, they are, like you said, they are very smart and able to build their organization through the draft and keep those guys around. Yeah, Hosmer. Mm-hmm. You know, Kane actually wasn't their prospect. Kane actually right. came from, yep. he came from Milwaukee and then wound up signing That's back right. with them. But he had, uh, he was, he came over on the yeah. Greinke deal. Oh, yeah. He oh, was yeah. traded for Zach Greinke. Traded for Greinke. Yep. But there's another guy, Zach Greinke. Even mm-hmm. when the when mm-hmm. Kansas City sucked, you know. But they yeah. developed their, their guys. And, you know, all their pitchers, like I said, Singer, Lynch, Kawar. I'm forgetting somebody. There's one more pitcher that I'm forgetting. 
Lacey? The big, no, there's a big four that they drafted all in the first round because they had supplemental mm-hmm. picks. And it was Jackson Kolar, Daniel Lynch, Brady Singer. There was one other guy. I'm forgetting his name right now. Why am I forgetting his name? <sighs> I can't remember either. Was Kolar a first-rounder that year? Yeah, they all were. They all were like, yeah, because they had they had an extra pick in the first round. They had two supplemental picks. They drafted all pitching. Singer, Kowar, Lynch. God damn, I can't remember that guy's name. I'm trying to think, what year was that draft? 2018? Uh, 2019? I think it was 2018. I think it was 2018. Boobic. Chris, Chris Boobic. Boobic. Uh, there you yeah. go. There it is. Boobic. Bolin is still there. Jonathan Bolin. He's another one. That's pretty good. But, yeah, it was Chris Bubik. That was it. I knew there was another guy, man, that was killing me. But, like you said, they still have Bowling in the minor leagues. He'll probably come up next year. They have Asa Lacey. They just drafted Frank Mazzucato. Like, they they just keep refilling their pitching. Tigers are the same way. Tigers is doing the same thing. Tigers got a little more balance, but... Ty Madden, Jackson Job, and Casey Mize. The Royals even drafted the Austin Cox that year, too. He's the 12th-ranked prospect. Yeah. I love Ty Madden. I actually put him over Jackson Joby this this year. Guys, don't get me started on Ty Madden again. I'm going to melt down again. <laughs> Off the rails. I was, so, I was so pissed that the Twins didn't take him. In the first round. And we ended up taking Noah Miller with the last pick. Nope. Noah nope. Miller. Nope. We're not, we're not going to go. Nope. Nope. Donnie, don't get me started on Noah Miller. I'll go off the rails. Noah? I swear to God. Don't, don't start me. I swear I sounded like an owl. I was like, who? Who? <laughs> we drafted a shortstop again when we have Royce Lewis sitting right there. Nope. Nope. We're no. not going there tonight. <laughs> Well, let's just keep drafting shorts. Well, you know. No. <laughs> if you don't... We um, pitching. I won't make you talk about the Twins drafting as long as I don't have to talk about the Eagles drafting. <laughs> Thanks for Justin Jefferson. That's all I got to say. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> Thank God we didn't hire Doug Peterson as our head coach. That's also... The last thing I've got to say. Oh, if Brady's listening to this, I'm sorry. But let's. I don't know. I guess that's all for today, though. We'll. We cover everything we wanted to cover, so it's over. I mean, we. I never expected to go this long. Like, I knew it would be uh, way longer than f- 15 minutes, but. We never expected to oh, go I this long. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, when the three of us were in a podcast together, I planned for at least an hour and a half. Yeah. 
Well, imagine if Joey was on here too. Oh my god. We we'd be going for like three hours. Yeah. Oh my god. Do you re- you remember the days, Alex? We we first started doing this. Mm-hmm. It was the three of us. Joey yeah. and I would just start talking. I, I had my wife actually come into the kitchen. And like, look, look at me at four in the morning. Like, you're still doing it? Like, just like shake her head. Like, Alex would be sleeping. Like, <laughs> but Joey and I would just still keep just keep talking. <laughs> oh. <laughs> four in the morning. That's crazy. Oh my God. It was yeah. Oh, we would get well because that's when when I was working at nights, I would get home at like eleven thirty midnight. Right. So we do podcasts. We start them at like midnight, twelve thirty. So the you know we would just start the podcast and like start talking and do our thing. But then you know once we're all home having a couple beers and whatever, it's just like you start talking. And I tell you, the sun was coming up. Sometimes <laughs> I get off yeah. the phone with Joey. It was like sun was coming up. <laughs> Insane. That's. That's what I love about the draft streams, too, is we can just sit back, relax, crack a couple of beers, and have some fun. Yeah. yeah. we got to do that again for the NFL draft. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. I'll jump in for the first round. I don't know when, I don't know enough to go past the first round. <laughs> yeah. That's about all I know. Hey, so. if, boy, if Boye Mafe gets drafted into the first round, uh, I will come in screaming, jumping up and down he, because I am so sick of the disrespect he's been getting. And I'm so glad he finally is getting the respect he deserves. Yeah. After the, after that senior bowl, he's definitely been getting a lot of respect. Row the boat, Sky, you go gophers, baby. So where are we, where, uh, where the Saints draft? 19th? I, uh, oh. yeah, I think. Let's see. Well, we'll see what happens with the Eagles. The three, their three first-round picks. Yeah. They. Uh, yeah, if it makes you feel any better, Alex, you won the Carson Wentz trade. But, I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's the one. Yeah. It's that. It's actually the one-year anniversary of that. Yeah. Is it well, really? Not, acor- not according to Mike. He didn't. <laughs> Mike still loves well, Carson Wentz. He, Mike thinks, still, he still thinks he's like the next. Oh well, yeah, but if, a good... it, I mean, even if he's. Good and or even if he's like good, they did the Colts don't want him anymore, so it's like they obviously won't. Yeah, won yeah the there was a isn't there a report they want to try and trade him by like today, next month, like March 18th? Mm. Yeah, they, I, I think the report said they're either going to trade him or cut him by March 18th. I made the joke that yeah. they that I made the joke the Eagles trade for him back. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no thanks. All, All I know is back, I may, you could be back up. <laughs> I I may be in the major the minority of Vikings fans. I'm happy with Kirk Cousins for another year. Let's see what KOC can do with him. We'll see what happens with our uh, what's it called? Our off season simulation. I got the Vikings. Yeah, I got the Saints. I got okay. I got to get on that. I I got the Vikings and Eagles, but. I, I I put all the moves in for the Eagles, but I haven't done anything for the Vikings yet. I'm intrigued. Uh, um, well, I did put Cousins on the trade block already. Oh boy! <laughs> Can't wait to see that. I think I'm a. I might. 
I honestly might blow up the Vikings. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I know that you know this was mostly a baseball thing, but since since we've kind of done all of our baseball topics, Vikings fans really annoy me, dude. Like, <laughs> Vikings fans go from one day thinking Kurt Kurt Cousins is the second coming of Fran Tarkenton to the next day wanting him shipped out for a bag of chips and a donut. Like, it's just yeah, it's just <laughs> insane. And already there was. Already there, because, you know, I follow all the local uh, sports outlets, and one of them already had a tweet with a graphic saying, do you think Kevin O'Connell will last as long as as a head coach as Mike Zimmer did? Dude, it's his first day. <laughs> like, he hasn't even done anything yet, and you're already throwing that out there? Well, of course. They get into, you know, I just, uh, it's what have you done for me lately? You know, yeah, that's all it is. That's all it is, man. And I, you know, I got no problem with the Vikings. And I actually like Kirk Cousins. I actually think he's a good quarterback. Thank you. I do, too. I just think he needs a better offensive line than the Swiss cheese we have. Mm, You know what? I always thought Stafford was a good quarterback. Yeah. When he finally got an opportunity with a fucking defense and someone, someone other than a number one receiver to throw to. Granted, Cooper Cup is, you know, whatever. But, I mean, Matthew Stafford was used to doing that because he threw to Megatron. But yeah. I'm just saying he actually had a team, you know. There you go. This may, but Kirk Cousins, this same thing. Like, you yeah. know, can he can, can he have a defense? That'd be nice. You know? Is it Justin I mean, Jefferson, who's a great wide receiver? You know. Let's also not forget we have Adam Thielen, who I still think is one of the best route runners in the league. Yeah, you got Thielen, <laughs> Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, if he can stay healthy. Yeah. You know, but you also need a defense. Yeah, they need it. Yeah, our, our defense was very bad last year, that's for sure. They need a draft a cornerback first round. Give me Sauce Gardner at number 12. Please and thank you. I'm really high on Sauce. Yeah. I hope he falls to the Eagles, but that's just me. Maybe the Saints will draft a wide receiver in the first few rounds for the first time in fucking I don't know how long. (laughs) You know. Yeah. Because we kind of need one. <laughs> you know, is Maybe Michael the Thomas actually draft a skill position player? Is Michael Thomas playing this year? They didn't no. play last year. <laughs> Are they gonna trade him or what? Like they should. I honestly think the Saints should blow it up. Yeah, they should. It's time. You're not it's winning time. with that core. It's time. They have no quarterback. Yeah, who's gonna be the quarterback next year? Ian Book. Let's go, Ian Book, baby. <laughs> Unless they re-sign Winston. Yeah. Right. Back matchup of Ian Book versus Kyle Trask. Ew. Awesome. Yes. Awesome. That is. <laughs> I can't wait to see that. That's gonna be. No, nope, I bet. I will bet you though any amount of money that that matchup will somehow end up with a prime time slot. That'll be Thursday wait. night football. Wait. So Matt Ryan is the best quarterback in that division right now. Yep. And I don't That's take anything. Away, I don't take anything away from Matt Ryan because I think Matt Ryan is a good quarterback. I think Matt Ryan is is like Matt Stafford. 
I think they're similar. Getting back to Stafford. Now, this may be kind of a hot take here, but I think if Goff was still in Los Angeles, Cooper Cup would still just be a good receiver. He wouldn't have had this kind of season with Goff. Mm. I agree. Yeah, I can't I can't argue that. Oh, like, Stafford. I, oh, yeah, definitely. Stafford made a difference. Yeah, yeah I think one. I think without without Stafford, Cooper Cup would have because Cooper Cup, I think we would all agree before Stafford came in, like he was a good receiver, but nobody would rank him probably as one of the best receivers in the league. No. But with Stafford this year, it was like, well, right. hello, Cooper Cup. Nice to see you. Well, think of it this way. The Rams, the Rams had basically the same team last year. What was yep. different? They lost Robert Woods. They replaced him with Odell Beckham. They traded Goff. They got Stafford. What else was different? Well, Anybody? they did lose <laughs> Henderson. They did lose Henderson for a little bit. Yeah, but and they. I mean, they, what what else was different this year from last year? They did get Von Miller. At the, so. oh, they got Von Miller. Okay, okay. I mean, it's a yes. little different, but not really that much. No, but they added um, him. Yeah, yes, Weddle? they added him. Weddle, okay. But yeah, other than that. But I mean, they, nothing. you know, they had basically the same team. I mean, Aaron Donald is still, Aaron Donald's the best defensive player in the league, and he's been the best defensive player in the league for the past fucking six years. Easy. Absolutely. And he so should have been, my mind. he should have been the MVP for the sake of my wallet. I think he should have been too, personally. I think it's because let me tell you, and a lot of a lot of what Eli Apple, a lot of the hate that he gets on that touchdown pass to Cup at the end of the game. <laughs> no one's. Oh, let me tell you something. No one, no cornerback is defending that. That ball was halfway in the air before Cup even turned around. There's no way to defend that. Well, no, Johnny is. Fun. As a Saints fan, you you probably have a better insight considering Mr. Apple did play for the Saints at one time. What what yes. is your opinion on Mr. Eli Apple? I'm not crazy about him. I'm just saying that he doesn't deserve the hate on that on that play. He doesn't deserve the hate because when when your quarterback puts the ball like that, it's in the air on a spiral already, hitting the receiver in the chest before he even turns around. And he just turns around and it's right there. You can't defend that. There are certain throws and catches you can't defend. And you watch the video of that. There's no way Eli Apple's defending that. There's no way Marshawn Lattimore's defending that. There's no way Jalen Ramsey's defending that. No one's defending that that pass and that catch. Mm-hmm. It's just not happening. That's a perfect pass thrown at the perfect time in a perfect spot. <laughs> so it's, it's just not done. It's almost like a baseball when you make a perfect pitch. No one's hitting it. I don't care who you are. You're just not hitting it. It just moves. It's thrown at the right angle. It's thrown at the right arm slot. It's just, you just not, there's no way you're putting barrel on it. You know, it's the same type of thing. There's certain things that are just, they just work out perfectly. And that throw just happened to work out perfectly. 
So the, the hate that Eli Apple gets on that pass that he gave up to Cooper Cup is wrong. Is Eli Apple a good defender? Meh. You know. He's decent. I'd have him as my third corner. But. Just saying. I don't think anyone defends that cat. Defends that catch. Because it was too. Too perfect. Well, we're off the rails too much. Uh, I think <laughs> I think we should end it here. Uh, Let's talk hockey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just talk about every that's, single sport in this podcast. That's for another podcast, Carson. Sorry. <laughs> hey, we're, we're working on it. Stay, get, stay tuned. Get a podcast with Liz going. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, me, me, Chris, and Liz, we're working on it. Stay there tuned. You go. There you go. Yeah. I got nothing for hockey. Yeah. I used to be in a hockey, man, but. Which, I mean, I lo- as long as we're I lost plugging the interest. things. As long as we're plugging things, check out my NHL power rankings. They come out every Monday. <laughs> there you go. But, um, yeah, thanks for, if you stuck around this long to listen, thank you. And. Uh, but try to come back again next week try to do some uh, try to do episodes every week now from now on especially when we have real baseball to talk about some of these i mean obviously college baseball is back so we can always try to dive into some more prospects as well and previewing the draft and whatever else that comes up you know, once we get an agreement for the new CBA, we'll talk about that, of course. And we'll talk about the free agent frenzy that happens once that does happen. Because once it once there is an agreement, there's probably going to be free agent signing like right away or within a couple of days. So it'll be an exciting time once we have it. Um, it might be next week next month next year 70 years from now but who knows i don't know we'll see um but yeah thanks for listening as always and uh as again you can find johnny on twitter at jball 0202 and carson on twitter at cbabs what was the numbers C- oh 1120 and then myself yeah, but- Myself, was, of course, is always at Alex Keeler. And like I said, uh, we have finishing up these prospect articles uh, on primetime sports talk. They'll be finishing up this weekend. I'll be, I took up the White Sox. I'll be doing their, their process, their top five. And we got the Reds still to go and a couple other ones. So take take a look at look at all the other ones we've done and those and then also of course the nfl content nhl content nba content nfl draft content everything videos all the other podcasts so 
Yep, and as always, you can never have too much pot talk.